Well, the scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. You know, Peter is, is telling us that God is up to something, that God is building something, and it's becoming you know, more and more visible, which makes sense when you build things. I mean, when you build something, it tends to be visible at some point. And you know, one of my favorite uh, visible buildings is a skyscraper in New York City. It's called the Chrysler Building. And this building, it's a it's an Art Deco style skyscraper in uh, Midtown Manhattan, and it stands over 1,000 feet tall. And for about 11 months, it was the world's tallest building until the Empire State Building was completed in 1931. But the Chrysler Building is still the tallest brick building in the world, even though it has a steel skeleton. It's still the tallest brick building, load-bearing brick building in the world. Now, how many bricks do you think they used to build the Chrysler Building, this 1,000-foot skyscraper in Manhattan? Well, the answer is a lot. And a lot meaning there's... This is, I don't know if they had somebody counting these bricks you know, as they were putting them up, but it's estimated that they used 3,826,000 bricks for this building. That's a lot. That's a lot of bricks. And uh, it was funny, Emma came home from the uh, WMU brunch on Saturday. They heard from a 19-year-old girl who had been to India. And she was telling me about how they can carry bricks on their head. And she was confident that I could not do that. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks. But the point is, yeah, you had these bricks. Well, the bricks for this building obviously were made for this purpose, you know, to build this tall skyscraper. And I don't know if you know much about how bricks are made, but simply put... What you do is you take clay, pretty much dirt, and you take it through a process of conversion and you make this strong building material. And so you take clay from some source and then it goes through this crushing and grinding and screening and mixing and then you put it all together and then you put it in a mold and then you let it dry and then you put it in a kiln and you bake it, you fire it and then out comes this hard, strong building material. You have your... You have your brick. And it's amazing to think about the, the dreaming 
and the preparing and the construction that went into the Chrysler building as they gathered all the materials and they dreamt what it would look like and they prepared and they constructed it. And it's amazing to think about how mankind can build such beautiful, uh, artistic, and useful structures all over the world. And it got me thinking, if, if mankind can build something like that, you know, what, if, what if God were to put His hand at constructing something here? Now we know He created all things, the universe, etc., which is obviously the most impressive act known. But what if He were to create something within the world He made? You know, what, would he do, what would He build? What would it look like? What would be, what would be the purpose of it? Well, as we move through chapter 1 and, and chapter 2 of 1 Peter, Peter tells us what God is building. And what we see in these few verses is we see three things. We see how God is building what He's building. We see what God is building. And we see why He's building it. So let's first look at how God is building what He's building. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, we get some insight into that. And before I read that, let me ask you a question. If you were to build a building, let's say you were in charge of construction or planning for the Chrysler building, what would you do first? Well, you would probably say, well, the thing we need is a good foundation, strong foundation to, to hold up those three million plus bricks, right? And so you, you set down a good foundation. Well, how would, how would God start his building project? Well, he'd do the same thing. He'd lay a solid foundation. Or in other words, he would lay or set the cornerstone that would dictate how the rest of the building would be built. And Peter, in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 says, As you come to Him, meaning as you come to Jesus, as you come to Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in sight of God, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And then in verse 6, he quotes a passage from Isaiah 28, 16, when he writes, Behold, I am laying in Zion... A stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now Peter often reaches back into the Old Testament and he sees that continuity as what, you know, into what God's doing in the world and what he always has been doing in redeeming a people for himself. And so he reaches back to Isaiah and he remembers this passage from Isaiah where Isaiah is telling the people on God's behalf, you know, you have formed an alliance with Egypt, and you think by establishing that foundation, you will be secure from your enemies. But God tells the people of Israel through Isaiah that God is establishing the foundation. God is laying the cornerstone, and it's only in Him that you will be secure. And so what Peter does is he reaches back and he grabs that idea, and he sees how what Isaiah was talking about, what Isaiah was talking about, was the coming and the establishment of Christ as our cornerstone. as what God is building in the world. And so we see here that Christ Himself is the cornerstone. Now the cornerstone is significant because once it is placed, it dictates the rest of the building. It sets the level, it sets the trajectory, it sets the location, it sets aside everything for what this building is going to be. And there will be, and what we'll see is that God is going to use many stones to build what He is building in the world, but there's only one cornerstone. 
And that cornerstone or that foundation is Jesus Christ. And it will be that cornerstone that will dictate the purpose and the inclusion of all the other stones that will be added to what God is doing. And Peter says that Jesus, as this living stone, this living cornerstone, is chosen and precious. And the word there signifies a special use or almost like a gemstone. It's not just your you know, random rock that you would pick up. But it's a rock that has been specially designed and intentionally designed for this purpose. And so we see Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation of all of what God wants to do in the world. And what we see, though, is that even though God has set this cornerstone, He's starting this building program, so to speak. Not everybody is excited about what He's building. And to a lesser degree, we see that even in our own city, right? When someone builds something, you know, not everybody's excited about what's being proposed or what's being built. Some people are excited and they want to get on board with it. Other people think, oh, that's going to be an eyesore. You know, we don't need that here. You know, I was talking to a a member of the city council over in North Augusta last week. And we were talking about the baseball stadium that's been proposed to be built right there on the river by by the bridge there. And I was just asking him, you know, what, what's, the, what's the feeling in North Augusta? You know, what, what are people thinking about this? And she said, well, uh, there are some people that are very excited about it. And there are some people that are very much opposed to it. I imagine so. And from reading Peter and reading these verses here, it seems like that's exactly how people are treating what God's doing in the world. He says in verses 7 and 8, he says, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And again, Peter reaches back and quotes from Psalm 118 and Isaiah 8 here. And he says, They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You know, it's interesting. What he's saying here is, As the construction workers realize that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, they walk off the job site. They say, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that project. I don't want to be a part of that building. Yet others are excited about it. They're thrilled that Christ is the cornerstone. They're they're looking forward and they want to be a part of it. They want to be in the midst of what God is doing and what God is building. So for... For us, Jesus is either the cornerstone that you want to build your life on, or He's this stumbling block. There's either that embracing it. Yeah, this is what God's doing. God is working. He has established what He's doing through His Son, Jesus Christ, and I want to be a part of that. Or, He's a stumbling block. He's in your way. He's a bother. He's an eyesore. And you just want to get rid of it. Get rid of Him. So what we see in this passage is that God is building something here in Augusta. He's he's building something around the world. And the cornerstone for what He's doing is Jesus Christ. Everything Everything is based on Him. And the question that we have to ask is, is my life based on Him? Is Christ my cornerstone? Is it... Am I living my life for Him? Does my life flow from Him? Is He my foundation? 
So we see how God is building what He's building in the world. He's established the foundation. He's doing it through Jesus Christ. He's not doing it in any other way. Christ alone is the cornerstone. Now, what is He building? Christ is the foundation, but what's, what's He building? What's it going to look like? You know, have you ever walked through a, or walked around a construction site? Uh, this happens a lot in cities, and it happens maybe even here in Augusta at times, but you have a construction site, and the company puts up a fence around it, probably for safety reasons and whatnot, but sometimes they put up these fences that you can't see through, maybe like a wooden fence, or they put up some type of chain-leak fence with some you know, pieces of metal or plastic in there, and you can't see through it. Well, when you walk around a construction site like that, where do you start thinking? Well, you know, the curiosity is just bubbling up. You know, you're thinking, what is going on in there? And so what do you do? I mean, I'm looking for cracks in the fence, holes. I'm peeking through. What are, what's going on in there? I'm trying to look in there and see what's happening. God has laid this cornerstone we see here. Christ is the cornerstone. Now let's peek into a few other verses and see what he's actually building. In verse 5, this is what... Peter writes, he says, you yourselves, he's talking about those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those who have been born again to a living hope. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So he's saying, you like living stones are being built up into this structure, this spiritual house. This is what God is building, this spiritual house. Christ is the living cornerstone. And what he's saying is, if you have faith in Christ, then guess what? You are a living stone as well. And Peter tells us, he's been telling us this all through chapter 1, that if you are in Christ, you've been given new life. You've been born again to a living hope. And just like a baby grows as it drinks the pure milk, so you grow when you take in more of who God is, and you learn about who He is, and you trust Him. You grow as you feast and drink on the pure milk of the Word. And so you're growing, and just like that clay that has to go through this conversion process to become the building material brick, so we have to go through that conversion process to be used by God in the building of what He's doing in the world. And we do that through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice how this is happening. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. See, sometimes we think we are building. We are the builders. We're going to build the kingdom. We're going to build the church. We're going to fill the pews. That's not what this verse says. This verse says that, think of it like this. Just like clay has been converted into brick, so you, if you have placed your faith in Christ, you have been converted into a living stone, like a brick. A piece of useful material that God wants to use for His glory around the world. But you guys know that if you have a brick, it's just a brick. It's laying there. You need somebody to pick the brick up and put it in the structure. Somebody with a plan. Somebody with a purpose. And so what he's saying here is, if you have come to faith in Christ, guess what? You are the brick, but God is the brick layer. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and he's going to pick those bricks up, all the bricks, and he's going to put it together, and what is he building? A spiritual house. He's building a spiritual house, that's what he's building. And this verb here, it's a passive verb. We are the subjects, 
We are the ones being built up. We're not doing anything in and of ourselves. We're trusting God to do that. We're banking on Him to do that. He's the one building His church. And He's using us as the materials. He's the bricklayer. We're the bricks. He's building His church. And we see the the outcropping of His handiwork all throughout Augusta. Not just on this corner. Not just in this room. But there are many churches in Augusta. These outcroppings of what God's doing. How He's building these communities. These local manifestations of His spiritual house. All over Augusta. And all over the world. Becoming more and more visible. You know, there's, a, there's a famous story of, of Sparta. It's from Sparta. You know, Spartan king boasted to a visiting monarch about the walls of Sparta. And the visiting monarch looked around and he could see no walls. He said to the Spartan king, Where are these walls about which you speak and boast so much? The Spartan king pointed at his bodyguard of magnificent Spartan troops. These, he said, are the walls of Sparta, and every man of them a brick. You see, these soldiers of Sparta were constructed as a demonstration of the nation's strength and protection. And these living stones that God is adding one by one to the living stone, Jesus Christ, are becoming visible all over Augusta and all over the world as God is building His church, building up this spiritual spiritual house. Now here's the question for you though. Are you participating, are you actively participating in what God is building here in Augusta? Or are you simply visiting or attending? You know, this, this Chrysler building that was built in New York City had over 3 million bricks. Not just one brick, three million, over three, almost four million bricks. And God's church, by definition, is a community of believers. All these different bricks put together to showcase something. So God's desire is that, that we actively participate what He is building through the local church. So now, you may ask, well, Ron, how do I know... If I'm actively participating, what do you mean by that? Actively participating in the local church or I'm simply just visiting or attending or observing. Well, here's one simple test. Now, this is not the only test, but I think this is a simple test. At least it'll get us thinking. Let's say you're out and about in Augusta and you run into someone at the grocery store. And they know you've been, you know, coming to some things here, some services, maybe a Bible study or two or whatnot. And they say, oh, tell me this. When, when does the Hill Baptist Church gather on Sunday? And you may say, well, well, they, uh, they gather at 9.45 for Sunday school. It's a, it's a small group time where you can get to know one another, pray for each other, study the Bible together. And then they gather at 11 o'clock for a worship service. They gather again at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening for Bible study. Then on Wednesday night, they gather, they eat together, they pray together, they study the Bible together. Did you catch on what you were saying? They, they, they were doing that, they were doing this, they meet here. Visitor, attender, observer. 
Now, what if you were actively participating? This is what perhaps you would say. What time does the Hill Baptist Church get together on Sunday? Well, we, we get together, 9.45, small group, study the Bible, pray together. And then we gather at 11 for worship. We gather Sunday nights for small group again. We gather Wednesdays. We eat together. We pray together. We study the Bible together. Did you catch it? They, we. To your visitor, you're, you're an observer. You're kind of just passing through if you refer to the church as they. But you are actively participating in the building process. And God is using you to build His church when you... Start talking about the we. We. I'm part of this community. And so maybe today for you, you God will use this passage to challenge you to say, you know, there are no perfect communities. There are no perfect ones. But there are still those outcroppings of God's communities. What God is doing in the world through His local church. And this is one of them. And perhaps God would have you join us here and see what He's going to do in and through us in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. So as living stones, we're being built up as a spiritual house, but what, what's the purpose of the house? We know the foundation is Christ. Those who are in Christ are living stones. God is building it up. What's the purpose? Well, Peter tells us in verse 5 and then again in verses 9 and 10, He writes in verse 5 that we are being built up to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes on to say in verses 9 and 10, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So according to Peter, we are being built up as a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. That's the purpose. We're to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Now, what does that mean? What is a spiritual sacrifice? Well, I think he tells us in verse 9 when he says that, If you have new life in Christ, if you have faith in Christ, if Christ is your cornerstone, then you are to proclaim, or at least your purpose is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the house. That's the purpose of every single brick. And that's the purpose of the whole structure is to proclaim the excellencies of Christ if you are in Christ, what he says here is you, you belong to the people of God. Your identity is fully wrapped up in what Christ has done for you. you know, I was in Atlanta a few weeks ago and I ate at the uh, Hard Rock Cafe. You ever eaten there? Hard Rock Cafe. You go in and there's all this rock and roll memorabilia all over the walls. I mean, all kind of stuff. Napkins framed. You know, Harley Davidson over here. T-shirt. Guitar, you know, all, just all kinds of things, different things. And, and in and of themselves, these things may or may not be valuable. But once a famous singer signs it 
or uses it, all of a sudden, it gets framed and it's put in the restaurant. You know, it's of great value. And what Peter says is, if you are in Christ, you were not a people before, but now you are a people. Your value, when you are not in Christ, you are, you are attaching your value to what either other people think of you. You're attaching your value to how smart you are, how talented you are, how much money you make, how athletic you are. That's where your value is coming from. But what he's saying is when you're in Christ, your value, your identity is wrapped up in who he is and what he's done for you. Therefore, because you've received mercy, you don't have to interact with other people trying to, trying to gain your value from them and their approval of you, etc. But you can actually serve them, minister to them freely because you've been approved of by God already. You have his approval. And we function out of that. We don't function for His approval. We function out of His approval. We are a chosen race. We already are a royal priesthood. We are God's people. We're not going to be. We are. And so we function out of that. We don't function to gain that or to try to earn that or earn anything else from other people. But rather we work out of that identity. So God is building a spiritual house and upon, he's doing it upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. This spiritual house, this holy priesthood, this people of God has been built up so that the excellencies of this redeeming God will be made known in Augusta and all around the world. Now let me ask you this. Is Christ your cornerstone or is he a stumbling block? You know, today could be the day that you stop tripping over Jesus and you start walking with Him, following Him. Are you actively participating in what God is building here in Augusta? You know, today could be the day that you stop visiting the local church and become part of this local outcropping of God's mercy in Augusta. Does your life communicate the mercy of God? You know, today could be the day that you not only experience the mercy of God, but that you begin to share it with others in very tangible and verbal ways. The good news is today, today is a new day. Who knows what God's going to do? But we know He's building something. And he's using the likes of me and you to do it on the cornerstone of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you so thankful that you are in the process, process of building your church. That you are the one who has saved us. You are the one who has come after us. For some of us, we are very aware of our sin. We are very aware that we have wronged you. And for some of us, we have experienced your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Perhaps others of us are still under the weight and burden of our guilt. Well, I pray that this morning that you would relieve that in them by their placing their faith and trust in Christ and what He's done for them. Well, I pray that this local manifestation of your people 
would grow and would display your mercy and your excellencies to those around us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that, for the encouragement and the truth it brings to us. Continue to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.